0: You are listening to the Red Bull Amapico Pico Podcast, Baltimore edition.
1: It's that first introduction um, where I want people to remember. Oh my God, I learned about this cool program, but I also met an incest survivor too. It's like she said the word incest, and she's a survivor of this thing.
2: Racism is one
3: of our, you know, American taboos. I'm holding
0: up a mirror to you, and like, hey, do you know who you are?
3: The most powerful thing that we have is our story.
0: Welcome
4: back to the Red Bull Pico podcast with me, Audrey Buchanan. For many of the social innovators in the academy, their calling means waking up every single day to elevate, unpack, and address the subjects and communities that many people would just rather ignore. From childhood sexual abuse to racism and the persecution of trans youth around the nation, these folks don't take not interested as an answer the convenience of ignorance just isn't going to work for them, and their job doesn't end with crucial conversations, it starts there. It means getting people on board to fund their programs, to vote for legislation, and to change behaviors and belief systems. So that's the question for this episode. How do you get people to engage with subjects they really want to ignore?
1: I'm Brittany Kellum, and I am the founder and visionary of Just Speak Incorporated, and Just Speak is a trauma-centered nonprofit advocacy that provides crisis support and resiliency programming for ages 5 to 18. It is based in Detroit, but this is truly um, growing to be a global initiative, but that's where it's starting because I'm from there! <laughs> <laughs> Similar to my introduction, I just told you my name, I told you what I do, but the second thing in there is I always say I'm an incest survivor. So that both tells you about myself and you've now met someone that is a survivor of child sexual abuse. So it's that first introduction um, where I want people to remember, oh my God, I learned about this cool program, but I also met an incest survivor too. It's like she said the word incest, and she's a survivor of this thing. So I find taking people along that kind of dark journey um, while they're kind of experiencing my light and my love and my smiles, um, it, it, it is rough for them, but it adds this buffer. And and I, I I tell my story to really to really share that with other people because they need to hear it. It's about experiencing. It's no different for me than saying I had a wonderful time at the grocery store and I buy, I bought fruit and my favorite smoothie. It's it, it's a story and and those things should be should be shared and passed on and rippled throughout the universe. Yeah, when people hear my story, um, it's a variety of responses, and I think that's the cool thing. Just like there are a variety of responses to life, um, people cry. People sometimes are silent and just immediately hug me. Um, Sometimes people pour out with questions. Sometimes it's the end of the conversation (laughs) and they return to me physically. I'm sorry, I had to take a moment. Um, But the overall response is the combination of what I am verbally saying to them and them literally experiencing me as a human being. And it's an experience of honor. It's an experience of deep courage. Um, And it's an experience of vulnerability. It's different from watching somebody sit on the couch with Oprah, and you have this separation of couch, screen, and all of the magic that they create on cinema. So to engage in that is very powerful, it's a sharing that they never forget. And it it is um, a gift to me. I'm honored that you listened to me, because there was a time where my voice was turned down, not by my own doing, but from other people.
4: We're in Baltimore, Maryland at the U.B. Blake National Jazz Institute and Cultural Center with 15 social innovators and a bunch of expert mentors and coaches. Dee Watkins, author of New York Times bestsellers, The B-Side and The Cook-Up, A Crack Memoir.
3: If you're uncomfortable with something that I'm talking about, then you shouldn't be in the room or anywhere near the conversation. There's so many people to engage that I don't make it a point to try to engage people who don't want to be engaged. I don't have time to talk to people about things they should care about because people are going to care about what they care about. It's like being in a relationship with a person and telling them that, you know, you want to go to the movies and you want to take walks in the park. Knowing that that person hates the movies and they hate walks in the park. Why are you asking them every day? You know, they're not going to come. You might as well spend your time with a person that likes movies and walks in the park. I care about literacy because reading has it changed my life. Um, when I started reading books, and I truly learned how to think critically and challenge the system, and challenge myself, and challenge my family members, and even challenge some of the traditions I was taught, my mind opened up, and I was able to just do so much more with my life. and And the things that I did um, for myself, you know, had a positive effect on me and a positive effect on other people. I try to focus on the things that are near and dear to my heart, the things that I really care about, because I feel like if I'm connected to a certain struggle or a certain issue, I can bring a different level of love, a different level of care and a different level of authenticity to it. And it will resonate with the people who are suffering and also resonate with the people who can do something to bring some type of aid towards that because they'll feel my passion and they'll have the opportunity to feed off of that.
4: For filmmaker and photographer Malika amanata Clements, it's about using creativity to cut through complacency and aversion.
5: I feel like through the mediums of art, through like instead of it necessarily being in your face, sometimes it takes for you to watch a video at first. Um, sometimes it takes for you to see some graffiti and you're like, oh, that, it strikes you, but it's talking about something political or, just something that um, people often look away from. So I would say that art is a way to sort of like cut through those barriers, you know, through music, through dance, through um, even just like all these things that we're surrounded by often. They they have more power than a lot of people um, Use, use them for so for that I would just say if you are a creator then create what you feel like needs to be seen and heard.
2: Racism is one of our you know American taboos. My name is Matthew Kincaid uh, I am a former teacher and school administrator and the project that I'm working on is called Overcoming Racism. I do high-quality and intensive race and equity trainings, primarily in schools, but also in communities and religious organizations and businesses. But the goals of the organization is to challenge the permanence of racism, to help to build schools that are culturally responsive and culturally relevant, in attempts to address the cause of the achievement gap, which is systemic racism, rather than just the symptoms. Oftentimes, when incidents of race or racism come up, people are more likely to say things like, don't talk about it, or I'm colorblind, or I don't notice color. So going into environments, diverse environments, and saying, we're going to not only talk about racism, but we're going to have a really open, honest, and critical conversation about how systemic racism plays out on the societal level, how it plays out on the institutional level, maybe at your school, or your religious organization, or your business, but also how systemic racism plays out in your personal life. Ways in which... I help to get people engaged in that conversation. Um, first is compassion, meeting people where they are, understanding that everybody's at a different part in this journey, and hoping that you know our collective goal of overcoming racism will outweigh our fears that we bring to the conversation. I think in terms of body language, it's just important to be open. Um, you know, as a person of color, obviously the system of racism is very personal to me. But when I'm in front of people and I'm doing these trainings, it's just extremely important that I make myself open to people, that you smile, that you create opportunities to laugh and kind of break the tension, that you touch people. You know, people oftentimes, you know, cry and have these emotional reactions. And so it's very important to me that I touch that person. I may give them a hug or rub their back. You know, I ask participants to reach out and touch one another. It's it's these things that we're missing. You know, there's a lot of pain. And it's not just pain on the side of people of color, but it's pain from white people as well. And so we have to embrace one another. We have to cry together. We have to laugh together through the pain um, and recognize that we can, that this system hurts all, of, all involved, and we can create a new normal where everybody can love and see each other in more authentic ways.
4: Author D. Watkins.
3: So there's a lot of stats that hit really hard and I try to use them so that I can show people how urgent some of these problems are. Like 97% of the black people in Baltimore that are born in poverty die in poverty. Or like a black person in Baltimore with some college has less of a chance of getting a job than a white person with some felonies. Right? These are things that show how racism is alive and well and functioning. I don't want to be the master of knowing the problems. I want to be you know a person who's known for solving some problems
4: these entrepreneurs have committed themselves to raising up the subjects that need our attention most sometimes through critique and candor sometimes by employing trojan horses like art or music or theater as the voice for the voiceless they take formulas that work in business marketing and creativity and put new
5: ingredients inside malika clements you hear if you go to I don't know, a grocery store or something, and you hear conversations or overhear conversations about um, systemic racism and you overhear conversations about police brutality, you overhear conversations about just, like, people are talking to their grandparents or their parents who have um, biases. And so this wasn't the talk even, like, two years ago thinking about it. You didn't hear these conversations so... Um, I would say yeah if we just keep on talking about the things that we feel need to be talked and need to be addressed then it doesn't become so taboo Um, and then the next level after that is like okay so how do we start to um, dig into this and solve the actual problem but first it takes people letting down their guard and being comfortable enough to even like look it in the eye
0: my name is Ava Pipitone. I am she. I am the executive director of the Baltimore Transgender Alliance. I'm also one of the worker owners of Red Emma's Coffeehouse and Bookstore, and the co-founder of Host Home. Host Home is a donor-powered Airbnb for the LGBT community. When people, when people talk about um, like how they feel interacting with transness or queerness, um, They often try to put a lot of that, the source of discomfort on me, um, to which I respond with a mirror, right? Um, It's not my body that is making you uncomfortable. It's actually whatever self work you may have or not have done um, that's making you uncomfortable because I clearly have thought about who I am as a person. I'm clearly grounding my identity in deep, self-reflection, so much so that I can confidently be who I am and take steps to express who I am in the world, Um, which is not easy. It exposes me to violence, exposes me to discrimination. Um, But I know that truth so deeply, and I'm holding up a mirror to you, and like, hey, do you know who you are? Do you know your truth?
4: D. Watkins.
3: The most powerful thing that we have is our story. And if we really want to make positive change, in the community we have to be willing to share our stories no matter how ugly or pretty no matter how good or how bad it's urgent that we show people our real selves and tell people who we are so that they can feel less ashamed about themselves and feel comfortable enough sharing their stories with other people and it can spread and and, and transform into a place where we are proud of where we come from we're all willing to admit our, our flaws or the things that we don't feel as comfortable talking about, but we're doing it in love and in an effort to spread love and create love. And, and that's how we, that's how we create change. And that's how we build community.
1: Brittany Kellum. It's important for me to tell my story and it's important for the project to hear my story and be of my story. Um, because I believe in sharing truth. I believe that in order for me to do my work as a survivor, um, I always have to tell my story. I am not a victim. I am not of that thing. I'm not of my trauma. But I always have this saying called, on behalf of a survivor. That means every time you see Brittany Kellum in the community, I'm representing billions of children. You know, in the US, half of our children experience one or more serious trauma 1,233,000,000 people experience trauma in the universe. So I'm one of one billion and some odd people. Um, And to do that, I picture a blaze of torches and children following me. I'm a shepherd of truth. I'm a shepherd of light. And to not do that would be a disgrace and, I don't know, an abomination for, for people. I'm a storyteller. I'm the face of this thing. And that is what's going to have people respect me, be drawn to me, and drive this beautiful, (laughs) crazy idea that I had to change the universe one kid at a time.
0: (laughs) You are listening to the Red Bull Amapico podcast, Baltimore edition.